This is Nowhere, with your hosts, Jordan Craig and Tarek Anwar. We are two human beings operating a recording studio in downtown Ottawa. During the program, we will bring you our guests, our experiences, for better or for worse. Enjoy the show. Hey, Tarek. Today on the program, I'm super excited to say we have Mark Stenzler joining us all the way from Bern, Switzerland. Mark was a DJ for Radio Free Ithaca, an actual pirate radio station at Cornell University while he was studying physics. He then went on to work at CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research, home of the famed Large Hadron Collider. Mark is now the host of the popular Blues Zeppelin radio show, where blues music literally takes to the skies. We have a big show for you today, so hold on to your seats and enjoy the ride. Without further ado, I want to welcome Mark Stenzler. Are you there, Mark? Yeah, hi, Jordan. Hi, Tariq. <laughs> Hello, Mark. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank oh, you for joining us. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. you know? Oh, man, it's been a little while I've been trying to set this up. Uh, yeah, I, I want to first of all thank Tony D for connecting the two of us. Uh, or the three of us, I should say, to uh, to come on the show. I am very good friends with a lot of Canadian blues musicians, and uh, Tony, Matt Saab, and Steve Mariner are all at the top of that list. Oh, absolutely! You know, we can't thank them enough. Like uh, Tony's, Tony's been great in setting all this stuff up. And and I remember when he first mentioned you, he was he had just been on the show, and he said, "Oh." Have I got somebody for you? You're gonna love this guy. And then we we both started talking on Messenger, and we didn't stop for like an hour and a half or something. <laughs> it was awesome. And you gotta love yeah. the connections like that. Yeah, it was wonderful. And those guys actually, we'll get to it. But those guys played a big role in. Um, I've been doing uh, Swiss radio for 32 years now, and in 2019 to celebrate 30 years on Swiss radio, I uh, put together a uh, concert series uh, mm -hmm. four different nights. And one of the nights was Canada night and it featured monkey junk. Oh, cool. And that was That's when awesome. they were on their, their, they were touring Europe at that time. I think they were going through Poland and Czechoslovakia as well. That was a big tour for them. Well, I think on this trip, they came to do my uh, festival, and then they went with Paul Reddick down to Italy for a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. And Tony yeah. recorded an, uh, a live record, or he was on a live record with Paul. Um, in, oh, in yeah, Italy. a live it, in beautiful, Italia. Beautiful record. Beautiful record. I listened to it a, a few weeks ago. Um, it, was, it was Tony in a way that I had never quite heard him before. Yeah, Tony's an outstanding guitarist, mm -hmm. and he's a, he's an, he's outstanding in many different styles of playing. Where where did you guys meet? Um, I know so you're originally from New York, right? I'm originally from New York, um, but I've been living outside the United States longer than I uh, lived in the U.S. Oh. I left the U.S. permanently uh, in 1988 but first came to CERN in 1983. So I've been out, you know, uh, some 32 years permanently now, or 33 years. Wow. 1983, that's a, that's a good long time. Yeah, well, that was my first experience at CERN. I went to the CERN summer school and I worked on an experiment at the intersecting storage ring when I was a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania. That's the coolest um, summer school I've ever heard of. I met Tony <laughs> yeah. and Steve and Matt. I met them 
I believe, at the Tremblant Blues Festival oh, yeah, yeah. in 2014. That's a really good festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a great one. That's oh, actually fantastic. Some might argue that that is more of an actual blues festival than Ottawa's own blues festival, which yeah, is a blues a festival in name, blues festival in name only. Yeah, but Ottawa is filled with wonderful musicians, yes. and I've been coming to Ottawa quite a bit, actually. I was there just a year ago, January, um, and in fact, I was there to see Hirojo, mm-hmm. uh, J.W. Jones, Jamie Holmes, and Jeff Rogers. Uh, I saw them perform on the Sunday night at the Atomic Rooster Sunday right Monday. before they went down to Memphis and won it all at the IBCs. Right, right, right. Um, Ottawa does have a, a quite a huge and diverse music scene that is not necessarily the most well-known when talking about um, artistic scenes in Canada, but it's quite large. Jordan and I know we're kind of in the in the thick of things here in, in, a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but but blues is, a, is definitely a huge part of the landscape for sure, and, and guys like Tony. And I mean, I remember when Steve... I think Steve and I are around the same age, or he's a he's one or two years difference. But I remember when we were both kids, and I remember uh, Tony when he would play Blues Fest in Ottawa, and uh, he would get up this young kid to play harmonica, and he was just like my age, and I my I, my head was blown at that time. I was about nineteen or twenty at the time. Like I couldn't believe that people yeah. from Ottawa were playing in front of tens of thousands of other people. It was quite a quite a wild time. Those early two thousand Blues Fests. Yeah, not to forget Raul Benesia is originally from Ottawa. Not only is he an outstanding uh, actor, he's also yeah. quite a uh, frontman for Raul in the big time. I actually, so it's funny, um, I, you, you uh, mentioned Hirojo at the Atomic Rooster. I actually, uh, for a few years, I was a sound tech um, I did all the all, a lot of the Sunday night blues fest. Uh, sorry, blues Sunday night blues at Atomic Rooster shows. I worked a lot of those, and that's how I met Raúl. That's actually how I met Tony. Even though I had seen Tony um, perform a number of times over the years, um, it was the first time we actually met. I was doing a sound on a Sunday blues night a couple of years ago, and it was at that point I had met most of the blues musicians in Ottawa, but it was really special to meet him and at. What was really cool about the night, Tony came in as a Tony D trio, but Matt showed up, Matt Saab showed up halfway through the show to hang out, and then uh, Mariner was driving in from Toronto with his brand new Gibson uh, Les Paul gold top, and he just and we had set up mics and amps for all these guys, and uh, at some point, they both went up, and all of a sudden, it, was, it turned into a monkey junk show, and the place just went, it was already hopping, and <laughs> it went ballistic after that. I it was bet. really a great memory. But I got no, to they do. Have a, they yeah. have a great sound. Now, uh, speaking of uh, of memories, um, <laughs> I would like you to tell a story about how you got started uh, with uh, Radio Free Ithaca, uh, the pirate well, radio station at Cornell University. I'd be happy. And what's critical here is that I spent the first two years not at Cornell, but at the State University of New York at Binghamton, where they had a college station, WHRW. Mm-hmm. And this point is essential because I learned how to do college radio there. And then when I transferred to Cornell in 1980, uh, after the first semester, I stayed in Ithaca. There was a, a long break, but I stayed in Ithaca. And I was in a house, and I was just playing around with a stereo late one night. As we and do. I he- and I heard... The station from Binghamton, where I had done the college radio, being rebroadcast in Ithaca on a different frequency. And the next day, I called um, the station in Binghamton and said, hey, some guys that are are, uh, rebroadcasting your signal. And they had announced that they were Radio Free Ithaca, Pirate Radio in the Finger Lakes. And I asked the uh, station manager in Binghamton if he knew who these guys were. And and I was told, well, yeah, a guy called last week. I just know his name is Kurt, and he works at one of the physics labs. Right. <laughs> so so I the next day I called, or the same day, I called the Wilson lab at Cornell. And I had very little to go on. And the receptionist said, hi, who would you like to speak to? I said, Kurt. And she said, Kurt Dunham. And I said, of course. 
And I got transferred to him. Kurt answered the phone, said, this is Kurt. And I said, Kurt, I heard your pirate radio station and I got to be a part of it. <laughs> and and he freaked out because it I was evidently the first night they ever went on the air. And, you know, how did somebody already detect uh, who he was? And in the six months we were on the air, I'm the only person to have figured out who these guys were. Yeah, I bet that, that probably impressed them quite a bit. I <laughs> <laughs> wanted to get you involved. So. Yeah, so I we met and we went up to the house where uh, the studio was. The studio was actually in a furnace room where the oil burner was. Oh. But we told everyone that we were broadcasting from a Zeppelin flying over Cayuga Lake. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, and uh, how did you, so if you're broadcasting from a basement, uh, how did the transmitter work? Well, the it was actually a ranch house. It was a, a, a one-level house. It was not in the basement. And uh, wow. Kurt, who's an electrical engineer, had uh, purchased an old transmitter from Ithaca College mm. and actually bought a 120-foot a, uh, um, um, antenna tower. Oh man! And and cemented it in next to the house. Nice. And we we went I'm on the jealous. air, and these guys built the studio. I mean, I showed up sort of after it had. I was not there the first day, but I was there probably the second or third night, mm -hmm. and I and I uh, became part of the uh, of the uh, the great experiment. <laughs> the great experience experiment. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Like, uh, so how long were you guys on the air for? We were on the air from that time at the end of December until the shutdown date was, I think, the 23rd of April, 1981. Wow. So, so it was about run. four and a half, maybe five months. Good run for a pirate radio station. So how did you finally get uh, discovered? Well, it was funny because um, we were on the air. We took a frequency that we purposely uh, knew would not interfere with any other stations. Mm -hmm. And um, the FCC came down. Somebody called the FCC, and they came with a, a van with a dish on top. And, direction and they, fi equipment. they figured out where we were, and they came. A federal marshal sh uh, shut us down. And um, then those guys stayed, and uh, the FCC guys stayed and dragged Jack Daniels with the guys <laughs> till about 2 in the morning. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's like now, there's something very important I, I have to mention here. We knew eventually we'd be shut down, so we had a tape ready to go, which was uh, the federal marshal. I had actually started the show that night around 6 p.m., but as a physics student, I had to go back to Cornell and study. It was a Thursday night. I did the Friday night show. Mm -hmm. So I went back to school and then later that night, I heard the station was off the air. Evidently, a federal marshal came with a cease and desist order oh, yeah. and gave whoever was on the air five minutes to announce that we were busted and shutting it down. I'm surprised they <laughs> gave we, you that long. Yeah, we I'm went kidding. off the air with a tape of the Hindenburg disaster. <laughs> exploding and you mean with the, oh, the humanity guy and everything like that? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, uh, we have a, a short clip uh, from Radio Free Ithaca uh, that we'd like to play right now, uh, and it has Mark uh, on this clip. So uh, go ahead, uh, Tarek, play it. If uh, you're just hearing us for the first time, I hope you're enjoying us. I hope that we're providing some pleasure for you in an otherwise That's awesome. radio void here in Ithaca, New York. We call ourselves Radio Free Ithaca because before WRFI came on the air, Ithaca really was radio free. And we're proud of that fact that we are alternative. We're proud of the fact that we're bringing new things out into the open. We are community access radio, of course. Your cards and letters are welcome. You can get in touch with us here at the Zeppelin. We have a... Uh, post office box where a stork, a large stork, picks up the mail for us. Actually, it's a homing pigeon, a carrier pigeon, rather. <laughs> flies from the Zeppelin high above Cayuga Lake down into the post office, picks up all the mail and flies back to the Zeppelin 
which is hovering at this moment high above Cayuga's waters. And we're heading towards the, uh, just spoke to the uh, pod. Okay, so you're listening to, actually you're listening to uh, CKCU 93.1, and that was Mark Stenzler, and he was, uh, that was from around 1981 from the pirate radio station uh, from Free Ithaca. And uh, that was a pretty cool clip. Uh, that's, that was, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, it was 40 years ago. I mean, I think my radio style got a little bit better during that time. <laughs> I thought but that was it was awesome. But it was a lot of fun. I thought it was really neat what you were saying about uh, about there there about how there there wasn't free radio or wasn't real radio in Ithaca prior to to your station. I think it's pretty cool. And you were going. No, the, sorry, Mark. the college. I was going to say the college station at Ithaca College was training people to work in commercial radio. It was dreadful. And uh, Cornell had a station, WVBR, and we used to call it VBR, meant very boring radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and what's, what, what uh, I didn't get a chance, obviously, we're not playing music from the station right now, but what, what, give me an example of some of the, uh, uh, the bands and some of the music that, that you would have played back then. Well, I did, we had shows every night. We were seven nights a week, and we probably started around between six and seven in the evening and went till about two or three in the morning. You broadcast um, seven times a week? Yeah, we we were on the air every evening. I only did the Friday night space and blues show. Oh. But we had, we had people, we had a punk, a new wave punk show cool. with uh, two graduate students from Cornell. Uh, called the Fred and Fred show. One was from Australia. The other one was from England and neither of their names were Fred. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a fun story behind that, but no, I didn't realize that it was that extensive uh, a station. Yeah, we probably had like 20 people involved and uh, we built a record library and we even had index cards. So we, we, um, um, uh, had a, a list of where the records were so you could look in in the index cards. We had them uh, uh, alphabetized by category so you could find uh, what you were looking for. And um, I did the, the Friday Night Space and Blues show, which was a mixture of space music and blues. And at that time, Ithaca had a club called The Haunt, and all these Chicago bluesers oh. would always come through. So it, I always had uh, lots of music to play uh, when I was doing the uh, the Friday Night Blues show. Can you give us an example of uh, what you term space music? That intrigues me. As oh, I probably played music. Jean-Michel Jarre and um, Kraftwerk sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And Parliament, lots of Parliament Funkadelic. That Very was cool. a big favorite of ours. And I also threw in classical music. I played the New York Rock and Roll Ensemble. Um, I, I threw in, you know, the Brandenburg Concerto on occasion. It was a real mix. It was free form, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's that's amazing. And, like, uh, I, I think it must have been great just to be able to, to pick all your own music and decide what you guys wanted to do. And, and for those of you who out there who aren't familiar with the idea of pirate radio and what it is, um, normally, you you have to have a license and uh, permission from the bureaucratic agencies in the United States. It's the FCC. Uh, here in Canada, it's uh, Industry Canada and the CRTC. And uh, and if you broadcast without said license, um, you can get into a lot of trouble. You can be fined a lot of money and uh, basically get kicked off the air. And if you're familiar with the, uh, I guess it was a 1980s, 1990s movie, Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater, um, you basically got the real thing right here with Mark Stenzler. So uh, it was, it's, it's extremely cool. As, a, as somebody who loves radio, um, uh, talking about this kind of ad hoc uh, um, radio station, pirate radio stations, is completely fascinating for me. Um, so uh, I guess... Your love of radio really went all the way from from uh, pirate radio. You're still in broadcasting today, and you kind of went through. How, how did you, how did you kind of balance your your life with science? Is obviously you you studied physics uh, with radio and your love of broadcasting. Like how did those kind of mix together in your life? Radio was always something that I tried to do on the side, and when I was at CERN. 
I mean, I love being at CERN, but the work, it was, it was like full time. It was like seven mm-hmm. days a week, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day. It was a very exciting time to be there. I was on an experiment in 1984, um, which discovered the properties of two particles, the W and the Z, uh, intermediate vector bosons. And and the Nobel Prize was awarded while I was on that project. That's amazing. Uh, And and what what experiment was, was responsible for that? That was called the UA1 experiment. That okay. was at the uh, super proton synchrotron. Mm. And uh, there were two groups that were working on that, the UA1 and UA2, and that stood for underground area. And I was just very lucky to be there when uh, we saw evidence of these particles decaying, and uh, it was very exciting. That's, I, I couldn't imagine anything more exciting. <laughs> it's, 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 it's truly amazing what you've managed to do in your life, honestly. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I mean, you're still at CERN even now, right? No, I work for the Swiss federal government now. Um, I, uh, he's at um, Bern. When you're at CERN, you usually, at least in my case, was never paid by CERN. I was always connected with the university. Mm-hmm. I see. So okay. I was connected at first with the University of Pennsylvania, then the University of Wisconsin when I was on UA1, and after that, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich. Mm-hmm. So I was on three experiments while I was uh, at CERN, and now I work for the last 13 years, I work for the Swiss government in a technical capacity. I see. It's very interesting, very interesting work indeed. And um, I think, you know, I, I, for one, have always wanted to to go to CERN and go to Geneva and and, and actually witness the place myself. I've I've imagined it in my mind millions of times (laughs) and uh, uh, watched watched it grow. And, uh, you know, for, for those out there who are listening, you might want to, because we obviously we can't go into everything that has to do with the Large Hadron Collider right now, but um, but you definitely <laughs> we want could, to. Look, but we're not going to. We could. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but you'll definitely want to look uh, look up that. Um, well, it's 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 a series of experiments. It takes up a huge amount of land, and um, you it's one of the more it, it is the most complicated experiment ever put together by mankind. Uh, it's an engineering experiment. So, um, yeah. So, so how I got into radio, when I got the job in Zurich um, at the ETH, the Swiss Federal Institute, it turns out that the Swiss, as most European countries, um, have a very good system of supporting, publicly supporting community radio. Mm. And I immediately went down to um, the station in Zurich and told them what I do and immediately got a show. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. And that was 1989. Yeah. And I did the show from Zurich through 2004 and then I, or 2005. And I've been on uh, in Bern since 2006 on Radio Bern, Rabe. So I've been doing now more than 30 years on Swiss radio. Amazing. Well, Mark, we've been talking music and um, and particle physics and space, and I thought I'd segue us into a short tune. We're um, coming close to uh, our break time before the news, but I want to get this song in first. It's just a very short uh, blue spiritual that's actually pretty well known. This is uh, Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground by Blind Willie Johnson. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
CKCU 93.1 FM radio, or you're on the internet listening to us. Mark, are you still there with us? I'm here. That was beautiful. Mm. It's a classic tune, and um, the reason um, uh, Jordan asked me to choose some music for today, and, and the reason I chose that one, and maybe you're familiar with this factoid about this song, but that song was included on uh, Voyager's golden record that is currently hurtling out of the solar system. And that's nice why that's why I was trying to think of, okay, space music, blues music, I love both. I don't know how to connect the two other than like playing something that sounded spacey, and then I came across that. I did not know that until very recently. That's very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Well well done. A beautiful song, too. And we can imagine that hurtling off into interplanetary space. Oh, to be an alien to hear that for the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Incredible. Now, uh, I know that uh, uh, we're going to be breaking for the, uh, for the BBC News shortly. Uh, Mark, I know that uh, you used to do something like that on your radio show. Yeah, we did something on, this was every night, it was independent of, of the shows, every night at 10 o'clock, uh, Radio Free Ithaca uh, broadcast the BBC News, World Service News, live from London, directly off of shortwave radio at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you bring us out to the BBC? This is... Uh... This is CKCU 93.1 FM. You're listening to This Is Nowhere with uh, Jordan and Tarek. Uh, Mark, why don't you take us out to the news? Yes, stay tuned. Here comes the BBC World Service on This Is Nowhere. Listening to This Is Nowhere on CKCU 93.1 FM. You can also catch us uh, live on CKCUFM.com or listen on demand to any other past shows or any other show that you want to listen to on CKCU. Uh, today we have uh, my my esteemed colleague, Tarek Anwar, is with me. Hello. And uh, Mark Stenzler who is joining us all the way from Bern, Switzerland. And if you didn't catch the first part of the show, he is just uh, he's a physicist who worked at uh, CERN, did, uh, uh, had a pirate radio station at Cornell University, and also runs the Blues Zeppelin radio show, which uh, we'll get into in a little while. Um, so are you there with us, Mark? 
Yeah, I'm here, uh, <laughs> and I'm really enjoying this. You guys play great music. No, thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's we, high praise. Yes, it is, and 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 we love music just as as much as as anybody. <laughs> but uh, but we we have a great love for music around <clears throat> no, here. No, we love music more than anyone. Yeah, more than anyone. More than else anyone in the world. In the world. Uh, so uh, now, as as people are familiar with the program, uh, we're going to go straight into uh, my field trip. Uh, so, as you know, it's been times of COVID lately. So you don't say. Yes, I, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, feeling Tarkin on this right now. Um, and I, I've been kind of doing public service stuff, things that will help people during COVID times. So I really hope that this field trip will 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 help everybody in the listening area. So, without further ado, uh, field trip. Jordy's field trip, where can it be? Jordy's field trip, listen and see. Jordy's field trip. This is Jordan Craig reporting from the inside of my tent. Yes, it's true. I am maxing and relaxing in my own tent. I thought I'd get away from it all and uh, and be away from everything for a little while and take my time, put my feet up and enjoy nature from the inside of my home. I've set up my tent and all of my my gear in in my living room. I've got all the comforts of home here, though, like actually within my home. I was wondering so why I the tent was set up in your sleeping bag, room. and I've got my uh, <laughs> this, uh, mattress here. I've got my radio giving me the weather. You know, weather this, this, I've got my ham radio here. <laughs> oh, you brought it into the weather, oh. and uh, yeah, and. I've got uh, some <laughs> light coming in and lie back and <sighs> pretend that I'm just lying underneath the stars and think to myself, and even though it's just a, a light bulb on the ceiling of my living room that <laughs> comes through so softly in the tent. Uh-huh. And you don't need bug to show you around no. a little bit. It's <laughs> the best kind of camping. So, yeah. This is a, a two-person tent I've got here, but uh, it's just me, of course, because I'm socially distancing. <laughs> Responsible. And uh, I can take you out and show you around. Hold on. <laughs> so I just undo the zipper. On Where did you get that zipper sample? Door? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all real. There we go. <laughs> and now... I can go out into the living room and I can, I can spy on some wildlife that I've got here. And part of my wildlife conservation efforts is I keep uh, my parrot Charlie alive, who's uh, in the other room right now. Yeah, we I don't really know if that was the tent. Other bits of fruit and stuff. And I, I make sure his water <laughs> dish is filled with water. Did you just say this is how chair I keep here. Charlie alive? And, yes, I've got my, my jeans drying on a microphone stand over there. Just bread and water. going in the fireplace. And uh, things are pretty chill. So if you feel like you need to further isolate yourself from your regular isolation, um, you can always set up a tent in your living room and you can feel extraordinarily isolated, which is totally, totally fine. So uh, that being said, uh, I can, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey on some of the other things that Sonic I do. Journey. So folks, I'm outside of my front porch now. I'm doing what any other camper would be doing and I'm making dinner. So... Uh, I've got a small, lightweight camping mountaineering stove Things on my front porch speed. here, and uh, as you can hear, Even, oh wow, <laughs> a fire extinguisher close by, and Uh-oh. don't, uh, that reminds me, everybody, do not try this home at home, even though literally I am trying this at home, <laughs> don't you try this at home, no, oh. because I'm obviously S- disclaimer. Uh, an expert because I'm on the radio. Our lawyers um, told you to and, say that. But you the do not try this at home. This is uh, very dangerous flammable liquids. I've got a certified fire extinguisher next to me. Technically a gas. And I'm boiling some water <laughs> for my soup. So boiling as I can see right walks. now, there's some, some kind of vapor coming out of there. I think it must be boiling, but kind of <laughs> a little afraid to touch the top of it. See if it's going it to come on. Can I ask what really time of night this is? Take it off Oh, okay. <laughs> This is very well done. It's boiling very quickly It's a now. wide range for you. And, uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to have some satisfying soup. Thank you for joining me on the field <laughs> trip today. I hope you all learned a few things about camping at home, in your home, and on your porch, and how during times of isolation, you can still enjoy the great outdoors. Indoors. This is Jordan Craig reporting. <laughs>
I learned a lot. Of course you did. Oh, there it is. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit dangerous out there. Um, Full disclosure, I almost burned my hand off with flying chicken soup. (laughs) You, You did warn me of a mishap. Yesterday you texted me, I had a bit of a mishap, yeah, I said, but I'm, I'm okay. okay. <laughs> and as soon when someone texts you, I'm okay, though, immediately you know they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to, can you put some of these in, things into practice over there in Switzerland, uh, Mark? Um, yeah, I have a, a grill on my balcony, so I can uh, I can uh, copy what you were doing. Oh, there, there you, you go. go. You, can, you can be even further alone, and uh, it's just be. One thing I learned is that if you have chicken soup on the boil and you keep the lid on forever, it basically explodes into like a shower of of molten chicken soup it's, that flies it's, everywhere. It's a physics experiment. Yes, actually, not much uh, different from CERN. I, mean, I guess it's more chemistry, but yeah. It's ba- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's pressure involved. Every, no, but but if all <laughs> science, everything is physics. Yes, everything comes down to physics. Yes, it does. Even chemistry is physics. So yep. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> much so like much mu- like mu- so is music, by the way. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. and and also, uh, you know, you can use physics to explain how zeppelins flew in the air all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, Mark, why don't you uh, let us know how you ended up coming up with this this in, in incredible idea of the blue zeppelin? Uh, I don't know. Some people can look it up online. Uh, we'll 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 add some some links on the uh, on the show notes. But people can look it up online, and they actually are playing blues music in an actually like an actual real zeppelin flying yeah. in the air. So how did you how did you come up with this? How did you how did you uh, how did you even get this started at all? Well, the the show is called Blue Zeppelin as paying homage to the pirate days when we told everyone we were broadcasting from the Zeppelin over Cayuga Lake. Yes, of course. And I've been doing it in the studios of Radio Laura in Zurich, originally from in 1989. And then in 2006, I moved to Radio Bern Raba. And when we had the celebration of the 30-year celebration, I organized Mm -hmm. a four-night series of music um, with uh, themed. I had a UK night, an Afro night, Swiss night, and Canada night, all blues nights. Nice. And the founders, the original founders from the Pirate Station came to the festival. And we organized a... And how lucky to be in in Bern to be able to do this. Probably the only place in the world where you can uh, rent a Zeppelin, (laughs) a real Zeppelin ride, is at the Friedrich uh, von Zeppelin factory, now called Zeppelin NT, in Friedrichshafen, Germany, right on the Lake of Constance. And 14 of us went up in a Zeppelin for a 90-minute flight and the entertainment was uh, performed by Tony D on guitar and wow. Steve Mariner on harmonica and vocals. Amazing. <laughs> and like, was it unplugged? Did they have? Uh, did they have like a PA up there? Like, how did they do it? No, it's it's a small. We're in the basket. Even though the Zeppelin's a large, you know, a large yeah. uh, uh, airship. The basket is quite small. Right. It has seats for 14 people plus the pilot and a, uh, like a flight attendant, but she's really there for safety. And um, Steve and Tony performed for us. And we were the first, we found out afterwards, um, the head of the company came. We were the first to ever perform music in a Zeppelin uh, at, there. That's amazing. That's awesome. And That's what's, so cool. What's also amazing, the, the CEO of the company is a uh, guitarist, and afterwards uh, he jammed on the ground with Steve and Tony as well. How is that ever cool? I can't, I can't believe it. And, and what, what, uh, uh, like what altitude, altitude do you guys fly at? Oh, it wasn't that high. I think it was probably only about maybe three to four thousand feet. Oh, that's a sweet that's... spot. That's where you can really see the ground very well, and uh, and it just must be incredible. Like, uh, and what time of day? Oh, it was. I think it was uh, around three in the afternoon. So it was mm. like three to four thirty. 
Ah, and and um, it was a beautiful day. It was the last weekend of October in 2019. Amazing. And we got so lucky with the weather. It was just a gorgeous, uh, calm day. And it was really a, a, a great experience. And photos and videos of that are also on the Blue Zeppelin Facebook page. Well, I remember when, like, that day, Tony posted uh, some video of what was going on. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, what? How is this even happening? <laughs> Where is this? How is this? So, um, so you've been doing this for quite a while, huh? Well, no, this, that was a one-off. I mean, oh, I didn't that know. was a oh, okay. yeah. The Zeppelin was just a one-off thing to celebrate the thirty years. Oh. I normally do the show from a radio studio I on see. the ground. <laughs> <laughs> on the ground. Okay, I thought it was a series. How did you convince the guys to uh, to even do it? Did they take much convincing? Uh, no, I mean, I told them about it. They were thrilled about it. And um, the Zeppelin company was thrilled, too. In fact, I until COVID, we had planned that we were going to do a concert at the Zeppelin factory once a year outdoors. Uh, and it would be a joint production between Zeppelin NT and Blue Zeppelin. But COVID sort of knocked that out of the box. Yeah, so I'm hoping that. that we can do that at some point in the future. Well, I think there, there's a field trip in my future on a Zeppelin at some mm -hmm. point. Uh, <laughs> I might have to join you on that <laughs> yes, one. I think we'll have to both. We'll have to come and see you and uh, and check this out for ourselves. So Yeah, um, that would be great. Yeah, and uh, so so you're, so you're doing that, and uh, we're also we'll give uh, we'll put some links in the show notes and on Instagram where they can listen to Blue Zeppelin and listen to your broadcasts uh, anytime they want. Um, and actually, for those listening right now, we're listening to CKCU ninety three point one FM. And uh, now the other person that we have in common is we can so we're still talking about radio is is Art Bell. Um, we were talking before the show about. Uh, Art Bell was was instrumental in me becoming a ham radio operator, and uh, Art Bell is a ham radio operator as well. And those who don't know him, he was a gentleman who broadcast from his own home in Pahrump, Nevada, and did a show called Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, and it was a nationally syndicated show, went overnight, and uh, and I understand that you had an opportunity to talk to him actually on the radio by calling in. Yeah, this was in 2015. I have to preface it by telling you the event that happened. I was on a Lufthansa flight. The date was May 2nd, 2015. So you can confirm what I'm saying that mm -hmm. it really happened. I was sitting uh, in seat 12A on a flight from Frankfurt to Sevilla, Spain. And over the Pyrenees... Um, mm -hmm. I was concentrating on the window saying, if there are any extraterrestrials out there, show me a sign. <laughs> and I probably concentrated for about five minutes, really concentrating on it. And all of a sudden, the engines, I was sitting over the wing, the engines throttled back to almost nothing. And the pilot came on and said that there was a crack in the windshield and that we had to make an emergency landing in Madrid. Oh, my God. And we did. The pilot was fantastic. I mean, we glided down. He must have been. You're still here. minutes later, <laughs> yeah. we, we landed. And so I called Art, and I told him this story, and he told me that I was responsible for the incident. Yeah, it sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, he, did he say why? Yeah, he said, yeah, you, I, I encouraged them to, you know. And what's interesting is they, <laughs> they, the the – the wind, the cockpit shattered. The, the glass did not come out. But the pilot had said, oh, we only have a little crack. And when we landed and we saw the front left uh, oh windshield, um, it was completely shattered. He didn't want to and cause Art mass said, Art panic. said that I encouraged it. And he told me that I should never, ever, ever do that again. I, know. <laughs> I have to agree with him there. That's a true story. <laughs> yeah. Well, Art, you know, Art really... Uh, you know, had, had a strong belief that, that we've been visited before by aliens and that they're they're among us. Um, and I got an opportunity to speak with Art. Uh, he used to be on the air till very late at night on on uh, commercial radio, and then he'd be on for hours, and then he'd turn off his commercial radio and he would go on to HF um, uh, ham radio on the 80 meter band. 
and I, I built a, a, a specific antenna and everything so I could get on 80 meters and actually make contact with Art Bell. So uh, it, was, it was a really special moment for me, and uh, he'll be sadly missed. He's a silent, silent key now, which is what we call somebody who's passed away. He was a ham radio operator, and his, uh, his call sign was W6OBB. Uh, was his uh, his call sign. So, our bell, you know, we miss you. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's 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 pretty interesting, you know, like uh, the 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 the, um, the connections that we make through radio. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on community radio and uh, and what it means to you. Yeah, radio is a very important medium. In yeah. fact, when I do the show. I, I actually think about it when I'm sitting in this r- empty room with a microphone and, and equipment. I feel like I'm speaking, um, I'm having lots of conversations with one person yeah. at a time. So I'm doing a conversation with one, but in parallel, maybe with hundreds or thousands of people. And uh, community radio in particular, given the 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 corporate controlled media system that we live in whether or not you're in europe or north america or probably anywhere else community radio has never been as important as it is now Uh, and we should we should all support it and we should all be grateful that it's that it exists it's a wonderful resource it is it is it is wonderful i remember when when we first talked on uh uh, getting ready for this interview, uh, I was telling you that I thought that radio was magic. I said, I don't know what it is about it, but it's it's absolute magic. And you said, I know what it is. I don't know if you remember what you said. No, tell me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I you, forgot. I said, you said, um, you said that it, I know what it is. You said it's, it's you're talking to one person. And, yeah. But you're talking to many. And that was a beautiful thing to say. Because that's what it really feels like. It's intimate. You're, you're talking to one, but you're talking to many. It's very intimate and something else. I'm now 61 years old. I've never owned a television as an adult. Mm-hmm. So I've been living 40 years TV free. And I, I, I think that radio is a much better medium than, than, uh, than television. Oh, yeah, I have somebody very much agrees here. It's, um, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you both, um, um, say that the the idea of your even though you're on the radio and you could potentially be talking to you know thousands or millions of people you feel like it's a more intimate experience I was um, listening to a, a Conan O'Brien podcast or actually sorry it was Alan Alda's podcast oh, interviewing Conan all hail O'Brien. Alan Alda all hail Alan Alda and um um, Conan talks about his his early days on late night um, um, TV when he was unknown and at risk of being canceled all the time. And he said the key to his kind of getting over the idea of of being or becoming famous or having to cater to you know NBC's audience at the time was to just speak to the folks that were actually in the show, like actually at mm-hmm. the taping and treated as such and not treated like he was in front of millions of people potentially. And that's, he said for him, that was kind of the turning point in his career on how he thought about every show and he's approached it that way ever since. So it's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also would like to say something about the blues community. Um, Please. I would be remiss if I didn't say that being part of the blues community has been a wonderful component uh, and adventure in my life. Uh, Most of the musicians, in fact, all the musicians are not doing it uh, to get rich. The the community radio work that I've done for 30 years, plus the pirate and, and college radio, so more than 40 years, has all been volunteer. And I have really loving friends all over this planet and i'm grateful for that music brings people together yeah and blues music in particular is very emotional it it's it 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 resonates with the soul something very deep it 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 resonates with something very deep inside and i am drawn to that music 
Have you always been in love with the blues, or can you, do you remember a time in your life where it, it became the genre that spoke to you? Because you obviously love many different types of music, but it seems like the blues is the thing that gets your heart going mm. every day. Do you remember when the, that started? I, it probably started when I was um, at Cornell and going to that, that club, The Haunt, where, as I said, all these wonderful uh, artists from Chicago came through. You know, these old old blues guys from Chicago and uh, Duke Robillard came through. And it was on it was on the same circuit that uh, took guys to uh, Toronto as well. So it was a, a very well-known circuit at that time. Um, and, you know, I, and the other thing I should say is there's one artist who's not really a blues artist, but I am probably his biggest fan. I'm a huge Richard Thompson fan. Oh. I think Richard Thompson is... Uh, the Incredible. greatest guitar player, not only on this planet, yeah. but in the solar system. He's also one of the world's greatest storytellers, and not just in his songwriting, but also just in his speaking to the audience. Love Richard Thompson. Yeah, and I have been lucky to see him probably 10 times in Europe. I saw him for the first time in Madison, Wisconsin in 1985, and I was hooked. Incredible. Well, this is the importance of uh, of having these venues and these great musicians, these great players, is that they spark a lifelong interest in music, a lifelong interest in blues. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Mark. Uh, this is hey, uh, my pleasure. And don't forget, vibration is the language of the universe. Uh, <laughs> I, what am I going to say after that? You've been listening to This Is Nowhere. Uh, our guest was Mark Stenzler. You've been listening to CKCU 93.1 FM. Enjoy the radio. Thanks, guys. <laughs>